The Cincinnati Reds went toe-to-toe with the best team in the National League and gave them all that they could handle. We'll talk about one of the best weekend series in recent memories that went down at Great American Ballpark, and we'll tell you what the Reds have to do to get over the top on today's Locked on Reds. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us talk some Reds with you. If you're listening, make sure you hit us up on Twitter, or uh, we also encourage you to jump on YouTube into our comments section, because talking Reds is what we do. And we want to talk Reds with you. You can get even more Reds insight and get a direct line to me by texting I'm in to 513-597-0944. And plus, join the Lockdown Reds Discord. We're always talking Reds over there. Got a link down in the episode description. As always, Lockdown Reds is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every day. And if you listen every day, thank you so much. Let us know you're an everydayer down in the comments section. Lots of everydayers. Uh, have been hitting us up on Twitter and gotten to meet a few of them at the ballpark. That has been quite a lot of fun, especially throughout this amazing run that the Cincinnati Reds have been to. And yes, the winning streak is over. The weekend produced some losses as baseball teams tend to experience. But this weekend proved a couple of different things. We are going to talk about the statement that the Reds made to Major League Baseball and to us who are fans of the team. We are going to talk about the challenge that they have issued to Nick Crawl in the front office based on the weekend and the way that they played and the way that they've really played throughout the winning streak as well. Plus, we're going to talk about where we started from and where we are now, how it started to how it's going. But we are going to start today's episode by looking at the statement that this Reds team made. And as Steve said in the open, uh, this was one of the best series ever at Great American Ballpark. And your immediate reaction was probably, um, they lost that series, didn't they? Yes. But first of all, best attended series at Great American Ballpark history. That's pretty phenomenal. But Steve, the way that they played, I know that they lost, but the way that they played just absolutely underscored their statement. Yeah, a, a lot of statements were made in this in this game, uh, in, in this series. You you look at how they played, and they did exactly what I said last week we needed from them, which was to not get swept. Mm-hmm. And that that was the most important part. They've come out of this series. They did lose two of three. They did not get swept. And as a result, they are still in first place. They just went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the National League and are still in first place in the division. That is very important takeaway from this series. The next part of this is that they really are as advertised. Uh, Joey Votto has said it. Other players on the team has said it. They are not afraid. They are coming for you. And you could see it in every single one of these games, no matter how far they fell behind, no matter how bad things looked at any given moment. 
there was no quit. And they took it directly at an Atlanta Braves pitching staff that is pretty good, Jeff. I mean, this is yeah. this is not like playing in Kansas City. This team is good. And the Reds took it to them, gave them all that they could handle. And you're in each of these games are one-run games. You're uh, one play. You're one call away from possibly a different outcome. That's how close this was. I think the Reds, the way they performed this weekend, have put the entire league on notice. That, you know, that window we talked about for 2024, no. The door is kicked open, and this team is a legitimate contender right now, even with the problems that we're going to get into here in a little bit that Nick Carlton needs to address. Yeah, and one of the one of the responses because in my uh, Sunday post game video that I posted, our, our post game short that I posted to the YouTube channel, uh, there were a lot of Braves fans in those comments that were talking about, "Boy, you didn't even get our best pitchers. You were facing our worst starting pitchers." And rah, 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 rah. You weren't even facing starting pitchers from the Reds. Like, as much as I hate to admit it, the guys that the Reds rolled out there are not the guys that they plan to roll out there. And yes, we are dealing with a lot of injuries and we're dealing with, you know, seeing the Reds really get some rookies going and, and Andrew Abbott has shown far more talent and progress so far than has like a Brandon Williamson or a Levi Stout, but those guys still have lots of time to develop, lots of time to prove what they've got at the major league level. However, this is not should the Reds and the Braves meet in October because that would be amazing. There were, there were so many people, and by the way, and this is just a quick aside from my little soliloquy I was going on there, but when it comes to the national perception of this series, the national perception was not, oh, look at the Reds getting ran over by the Braves. The national perception was, I want to see 100 games of the Reds and the Braves because this is what baseball should be. This is how fun the game can be. And I think that when you put in the pitching staff that the Reds were planning on having this year, this team is going to look way better. And you're probably going to see a few more wins between the Reds over the Braves. I saw more than one place over the weekend, Jeff, people saying, wouldn't it be great if this is a preview to the National League Championship Series? And it very well could be. Uh, you're absolutely right. The The Braves, for all of their bluster of from their fans, that the Reds didn't face their best starting pitchers, well, the only real starting pitcher that the Reds ran out there was Graham Ashcraft, and that was a guy coming back off of injury. You know, Luke Weaver's not a real starter, and and don't come at me with that. We're gonna we're gonna get into that here in a little bit, and then of course you. In the finale on Sunday, they piggyback two minor league guys that barely arrived uh, on the shuttle bus up from Louisville. So for me, Jeff, my takeaway from this whole series leaves me even more optimistic. Yeah. It leaves me even more excited. It, it, it gives me that much more hope. And I can't, can you remember the last time you came out of a series where the Reds lost two of three and you were more hopeful about the team <laughs> than you were before the series started? I you probably have to go back to like 2012 or something when they lost the series back then. And, and even that, like, I, I don't know, like, I've never felt 
so hopeful about the long-term future of this team, knowing that every single person on this roster, save for Joey Votto, is going to be here for the next five, six years, maybe, maybe four years. But still, you're talking about three to four solid years of having the same lineup. What, what, what have people been clamoring for for ages, for the last decade, of give us an everyday eight? The Reds have their everyday eight for the most part. Like, let that sit in for a minute. Like, Spencer Steer is not going anywhere. Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain, sure as heck ain't going anywhere. I mean, talk about dudes that were showing out. Ellie De La Cruz showed out on Friday. Matt McClain showed out on Sunday. I mean, three doubles and a homer. Phenomenal play. He was, he was single-handedly keeping the Reds in this game. Ellie De La Cruz, almost, I mean, Joey Votto hit two home runs on Friday night, but Ellie De La Cruz almost single-handedly kept the Reds in the game on Friday night. They have guys that can pick up the team and put it on its show, put them on their shoulders if they have to, but they have multiple guys that can do that. So you don't have to feel as though one guy has to come to the plate. There's so many guys on this roster that can shoulder the load moving forward when it comes to the burden of competition. And I really feel like that more than anything is making a statement to the rest of the league of like, watch out. Cause when we get this pitching thing figured out, which is going to be this year, y'all ain't going to have a chance. One thing I want to touch base on Jeff also, just for the fun of it just for the the hilarity of it is Joseph Daniel Votto legging out a infield hit to first base. That was great. As, as, <laughs> as much as we talked about Ellie De La Cruz doing that, I love that uh, obviously a little bit different circumstance, but Joey you Votto. You think he's energized? Single, oh yeah. I, I think that, I think that this team has rubbed off on him. I think that he's fired up. Uh, if you've been paying attention to any of his post game stuff, uh, when he's taking questions, you know, he, he said the other day that he is happily hitting sixth so that he yeah. can just watch everything unfold in front of him and that he's not clogging things up and these guys can get out there and run and do all their things. It is an exciting time to be a Reds fan. And, you know, I'm glad we're here for it from the beginning. And the key part about this statement that the Reds are making also carries with it a challenge to the front office. We're going to tell you what that challenge is coming up here in just a moment. But before we get into any of that, I want to take a minute and shout out the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your vehicle to the My Garage section and you'll get a green check mark so that you know that every part will fit or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
All right. The Reds and the Orioles kick off a three-game set at Camden Yards in Baltimore with the first pitch scheduled for 7.05 p.m. Eastern time. If you can't be at the ballpark, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the on the SXM app. Sorry about that. That's a little tongue twister. All you got to do is download the SXM app and search the word Reds. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Reds your first listen every day. Everydayers, on the next podcast, we are going to be looking at how this series opens in Baltimore, and we're going to take a look at some interesting numbers just in regards to the guys that are putting them up. I think it's time to check in on some of the players that we may have touted and then given up on, but they're suddenly finding themselves being big contributors, and we're going to get into that on tomorrow's show. But one of the things we need to get into, Jeff, is identifying realistically a problem with this team and trying to come up with some reasonable solutions for it. Uh, and of course, I'm talking about the pitching because there's yeah. a couple big, couple big problems here. The first big problem is this rotation. If we look at the rotation that the Reds have right now uh, versus the rotation we thought we were going to have, let's just start from today's game at Camden Yards. Brandon Williamson on the mound for the Reds. He'll be followed in the rotation by Andrew Abbott then Luke Weaver, then Graham Ashcraft, followed by a stout win piggyback start probably again. That is a far cry from where we thought we were going to be. The other impact of not only they're not as good as we thought they were going to be is the bullpen, while better than we thought and imagined, is covering a ton of innings. Ton. That, leaves us, and that leaves us with this situation. The Reds are going to have to get some pitching, right? I think so, Steve. And, and this is an interesting part because <clears throat> it's not readily available what the solution is. I think it's obvious, and you don't have to have had to watch this team over the last five, six years to know what the problem is. The problem is the starters are not giving enough uh, longevity. You saw three innings, three and a third, I think, from Luke Weaver on Friday. You saw four innings from Graham Ashcraft, and those four innings were one heck of a slug. And then you saw the the piggybackedness of Levi Stout and uh, Randy Wynn that did give you five innings, but it's like you used two pitchers to go five innings. That's maybe feasible for a short term, but I don't think you need a long-term plan of that. So altogether... This starting pitching staff needs to have at least one dude, and, and, and Andrew Abbott is becoming that guy, but it needs to have another guy that you can count on at least five or six innings out of. So with that, the immediate thought is we got to go trade. Got to go make a trade right now. Got to trade, 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 trade. The problem with that is what will it take to get there? Because I, I agree, if you can acquire that, go acquire that, but what's it going to take? Well, it's like this, Jeff. Starting pitchers are pricey in normal circumstances. When the team you're trying to trade with knows that you're desperate, the price goes up even more. When the market is thin, the price goes up even more. When you're ahead of the trade deadline and the other team really doesn't have any urgency to make a deal with you, the price goes up even more. 
Could Nick Kroll go out and get an ace to throw into this rotation right now? Sure he could, but what are you willing to give up? Any conversation for a legitimate starting pitcher that will make a huge difference in the Reds rotation right now on day one, it, the asking price starts with CES. It starts with yeah. Christian Encarnacion Strand, and that is lunacy to me. That that, that they, Nick Kroll should hang up on anybody that asks him about trading for CES. There is absolutely no scenario here in 2023 where Nick Cross should be entertaining those thoughts at all. Uh, you simply can't do it. I think a much more viable option, Jeff, and this is just me spitballing here, is that I think that Connor Phillips right now today is better than Luke Weaver for this rotation even though he hasn't pitched above double A. And I did see that the Reds are moving uh, Connor Phillips as well as Noel Marte up uh, yes. to start the second half at triple A. But I feel like you could drop Connor Phillips into this rotation right now, and it's an upgrade over Luke Weaver. That then allows you to move Luke Weaver into this bullpen and eat innings when he has to. That's how you start there. That also starts to protect your bullpen. And then maybe you do go out and find a trading partner for another solid bullpen arm. Maybe you have to package a guy that once was highly touted but is kind of an odd man out, like Nick Senzel. Put a little package together. Find somebody in low. You know, you've talked about using Reese Hines going out and trying to get Lance Lynn. I just don't think that's going to get it done, but Reese Hines might get you a relief pitcher. And mm -hmm. I think that that's something that could be considered. But to, to say they're going to go out and trade for a starter, uh, one, I don't think it's worth what we, the Reds would have to pay. And two, I think it would be it would be an abandonment of the plan that is working so well for them to go start trading prospect capital right now. Yeah, and by prospect capital, we're talking about those top guys. Like, yeah, if if Nick Cross says no to CES, which he absolutely should, then the uh, other general manager, whoever it is on the other side of the phone, is probably going to be like, all right, let's talk about Noel V. Marte. And again, he should say no, because nope. Noel V. Marte is going to be ready, I would expect, by early next season. We might even see him up opening day, depending on how his development goes in AAA and where they move some pieces around and where he can fit in as well, because I don't think he's played any outfield, but that's that's a discussion for another podcast. What we're talking about here is there's a level of prospect that the Reds don't need to touch, and as much as it stings to say that there is a price that the Reds should not pay, and there is a price that if Nick Crawl hears, he needs to be like, you know what, I think we can survive because I think the Reds can at least survive to the trade deadline. Now, the the icky part, and looking a little bit deeper into the starting pitching problem for the Reds, the icky part about this is twofold. On Wednesday, Nick Lodolo is going to get his uh, leg looked at and reexamined. He still hasn't gotten the cast off. He's still in a cast. And he could... This, this could have, he could get the cast off on Wednesday, but it would literally be the earliest possible time he could get it off, which means then you're talking about a rehab program that will just be beginning by this weekend, and it'll still take a little while to get him back. I'd say at least two to three weeks before we see him on a mound. I think yeah. more than that. I, th I think even if, if that boot comes off at this next doctor's evaluation, we still won't see him pitch in the big leagues until August. Yeah, which will mean that we'll get him back early August, but there have been some people that said it could be till September before we see Nick Lodolo. The other issue is the last report that I've seen about Hunter Green's hip is that Hunter Green's going to get a second opinion later this week about his hip, 
And there could be a possibility that he gets shut down and then we don't see him until August because he requires a rehab program as well. So not only do we look at this rotation and say it's kind of a patchwork, but we're also saying that the two guys that we're really looking forward to returning don't really have a return date planned just yet. And the earliest possible we could see him is even after the trade deadline and the talent is there. I've said this before that they have their own built in like reinforcements plan. The issue is not knowing when that reinforcement plan is going to be used. I do like the idea of calling up Connor Phillips. Uh, but the only issue that I have with that is that double a decided they're going to have that pre tack uh, baseball this year. So it's a different baseball from the one that they use in the major leagues. Don't know really the decision making plan behind all of that. I think it's probably some experimental thing for down the road for the major leagues, but overall we, we've got to see maybe like one or two starts from Connor Phillips at triple a, just to make sure that, you know, it's not like super fluky because of the ball in double a, but overall he's got the stuff. And I think that he can perform well here. Like you said, better than Luke Weaver in any case. Um, so yes, he's the built in thing. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like if you can put together some sort of package to go out and get pitching help, you got to do it. See at what cost really is where I keep coming back to Jeff. And for me, am I willing as a fan Am I willing to concede not making the playoffs this year if it means that we have an amazing team on the field for the next four years? I think that I am. And that's really the choice. If they go rent, if they go rent a starting pitcher, if they go rent an upgrade to this rotation, it's going to significantly damage what they're building, this brand they're putting together. And it's going to make it that much harder to win in 2024 and 25 and 26, because you're going to have to give something up for a short term gain. I would much rather do what I suggested with this rotation and then get CES up here, further solidify this lineup and then just outscore guys. Let's win every game 11 to 10. I don't care as long as they win. Right. I mean, they have demonstrated a a significant ability to put runs on the board and to play come from behind baseball. So, you know, if that has to be their brand for 2023 and it means that in 2024, we'll still score seven runs a game, but have starting pitching that holds the opponents to three. I'm all in on that. And I, as much as I want to see postseason baseball at Great American Ballpark this year, I'm willing to I'm willing to try and be reasonable and take a step back and not get so caught up in that hype of postseason that that I'm okay with them making a fundamental error in the plan that they said they were going to implement. We're going to talk a little bit more about a stat that you made, the the Reds' ability to score runs. We're going to kind of look at that as to how it pertains to the 12-game winning streak here in just a moment. But just thinking out loud, like, I mean, next year you can replace the third catcher with CES for sure, and you could probably do that here in a couple of weeks. Um, And next year you could likely replace Kevin Newman with Noel V. Marte. And you could likely like, I mean, I don't know, man, that's just spitballing. That's pretty sexy. And then you're still talking about a healthy pitching staff. Like hopefully, you know, you know, knock on wood. 
that that's the case. But overall, like there's a real chance here for long-term sustained success if they don't go crazy. And I think Nick crawl knows that. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what he can do at the trade deadline. I, I don't think he'll stand pat. I think he'll find some small deal to make, but it's not going to be the deal. Like we said in the off season, it's not going to be a deal that they have a press conference for, but exactly. I think it's going to be a deal that helps the team in some way. But yes, I want to look at how we started to how we're doing coming up next. Before we talk about that, I want to let you know the Reds and Orioles kick off a three-game set tonight at Camden Yards. They got first pitch scheduled for 7.05 p.m. Eastern Time. Brandon Williamson's on the mound. Cole Irvin is on the mound for the Orioles. Cole Irvin, Steve, uh, began the year with the Oakland A's. Oh, boy, he got out of town just at the right time. Yeah. Not pitching very well for the Orioles either. Maybe we can continue to uh, cause him some consternation on the mound. And if you can't be at the ballpark, which if you don't make the trip to Baltimore, you can catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just simply search Reds. You shout can also follow the podcast on all platforms. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, shout out to you for being able to say SXM on the first try. Yeah, you know, it happens. Uh, but you can also follow us on all your favorite podcasting platforms, including YouTube. Make sure you join the community on Discord if you haven't already done so. There's a link down in the description of today's episode for that. And for more Reds Insight and a direct line to me, text I'm in to 513-597-0944 and join subtext today. All right, I want to look at a couple of things here, Steve. We're going to look at how it started versus how it's going, and then we're going to talk about, we're going to close out the show with the story that Randy Wynn has leading up to his Major League debut. But how it started, let's look back on this, because it's easy, because we as fans like to uh, feel as though we're part of the action, right? So we get caught up in the day-to-day, -day, they take it one day at a time of the 12-game of the win streak that was. So let's look back. How it started. Friday, June 9th, the Reds lost to the Cardinals 7-4. Back then, they were in third place. They were five games out of first place. And, and, and Pittsburgh and Milwaukee were tied at that time. But Steve... Things changed in a hurry. Oh boy, did they change. 12 wins later, moving into Sunday, June 25th, Jeff. The Reds lose to the Braves 7-6, to six, but are a half game ahead of Milwaukee and still in first place, like I said earlier. Pittsburgh, wonder what happened to them. Not only have they fallen off of a ledge, they are now five and a half games back of first place. What <laughs> falling way further in the rearview mirror. This team basically changed its fortunes in the span of 12 games. It, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Right. Like we talked about for the last couple of years, we're just like, man, I hope this is a quick rebuild. Didn't think 12 games was going to take it. Like the, 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 and then they're not done. They need to rebuild the pitching staff, obviously, like we've been talking about, but the fact that they've turned this around so monumentally and Gosh, dog it. If, if the Brewers didn't come back last night, like the, they really, they were down late and they tied it and then they went into extras and won in extras. But 
yeah, the, the way that the Reds have been able to play, and even after losing back-to-back games, still being a half game ahead in first place, and we're looking at this, and this is a very winnable division. Um, if they get the right pieces in place, if Connor Phillips comes up and really shows out here in his major league debut, whenever that happens, uh, you're, you're talking about a team that could probably run away with this division. Let's, let's look at some of these numbers too. I mean, through, through the 12 game win streak that the Reds just got done with, by the way, tying 1957 for the longest winning streak in 66 years. The Reds averaged 6.6 runs per game. They just fell out of bed and scored six and a half runs. They averaged almost nine hits a game. Just a beautiful offensive display. And granted, they had to because the pitching was giving up quite a few runs as well. But it was an amazing display of hitting by this lineup that is made up mostly of rookies and second-year players. And, and there's a there's a big number, Jeff, within their offensive output during that 12-game winning streak that really was a narrative changer. Because mm-hmm. up until that win streak, what we heard time and time again is, you know, the Cincinnati Reds do not hit for power. Right. They're, a, they're an old-school, small ball, get them on, get them over, bunt a little bit, steal a base, try and bring them in kind of team. That was the narrative around this team. During that 12-game win streak, Jeff, 22 home runs during that span. Pretty nice. That's better than pretty nice. That's a game changer. I think that's where we see the difference now with this team because they can still do those other things. We saw bunt singles from TJ Friedel during this Atlanta series. We saw them steal a lot of bases. They're they're stealing bases at at a clip that reminds me a lot of 1980s baseball. Mm-hmm. And they're still doing all those things. But now you've added in the ability for a long ball to change the course of a game on a single swing. And, and that's where things start to get really fun because you can be down three or four runs and knock that out in one inning. And that's where this team is thriving right now. I think it was, I think it was after the Mets series, I was talking with Ryan Finkelstein from Locked On Mets, and I had mentioned, man, there's a lot of guys in this Mets lineup that could probably hit third or fourth for the Reds, and this is before they called up Matt McClain, this is before they called up Ellie De La Cruz, but, and before Joey Votto obviously came off the injured list, and I'm like, there's a lot of Mets players that could hit third or fourth for the Reds. I don't know that there's a lot of Reds players that would crack the Mets lineup, now that I'm looking at it, it's completely flipped. We're talking about a team full of three and four hitters for this Reds lineup. And sure, you've got a couple of guys that you're like, yeah, that's definitely a leadoff guy. And you got a couple of guys that you're like, yeah, probably want to keep them toward the bottom. But even the guys at the bottom, I mean, as much as we like to dog on Nixon Zell, Nixon Zell had a multi-hit game on Sunday. He had two hits. His OPS could come up a little bit, but still, like, he is getting on base. That's all we need him to do. We don't need Nixon Zell to hit homers. We don't need Nixon Zell to just be a superhero for us. We've got plenty of those guys on there. He just needs to be on base for the superheroes to bring him in. You've got Nixon Zell facing a left-handed pitcher batting eighth or ninth. He can do that. That is a really good lineup. That is, you know, and and all of the guys that that fit that bill that you just described, some of them aren't even on the team yet. There's still more coming. That's the amazing part about this. Yeah. And man, I'm, I'm so fired up for what this team can turn into, but, but even with the, the, 
the Superman mentality, and you're talking about top prospects and Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McClain and even Andrew Abbott, and hopefully we see Connor Phillips coming up here soon. And then you've got dudes like Randy Wynn who are just chugging along. He is just working on his craft. He is playing baseball one day, hoping to break it into the major leagues. And Sunday he got to do that. Like it wasn't quite Dennis Quaid in the rookie, but his story is just so inspirational. A dude that just was toiling an independent ball for so many years. The Reds signed him as a 26 year old. And, and if you haven't had a chance to go check it out, there's a great tweet thread from Kyle Bodie. You remember Kyle Bodie. He runs driveline. He used to be the Reds pitching coordinator for their development system. He was a big reason that Randy Wynn was still here. And Randy Wynn, he even talked about it in his, in his uh, tweet thread that Randy Wynn does not have overpowering stuff. Sits right there at like high 80s, low 90s. We saw him on Sunday. Doesn't really have the kind of breaking stuff that's going to absolutely fool somebody. He just throws strikes and he doesn't get hurt. He's a guy that you can count on to be there when you need him to throw. And I really find that intriguing because this bullpen kind of needs that just iron man dude that you can just call on to be like, dude, go, go out in there, throw a couple innings. Don't give up too much. The only run that he ended up giving up was that inherited run that Ian Jabot allowed Matt Olson to plant one into the moon deck. Um, but I, I love the story of Randy Wynn. You know, it's interesting in that uh, that Kyle Bodie thread that you referenced, one of the things that Kyle talked about was that when they went out to get Randy Wynn, it was really just to be an innings eater. It was a guy that you could run out there that would pitch some innings. And innings eater for the minor league. leagues, not even yeah. thinking he makes yeah, it to for the, the for the minor leagues, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and not even, you know, I know this sounds, but it's a business. They're not going to have a lot of money tied up in him. They're not worried about overusing his arm. If he gets tired, they move on to the next guy, but he really thrived in the role. And I think that there's an opportunity for him to, you know, be who he is and do what he does because he's doing something he already knows. He could be a valuable piece right now in a Reds pitching staff that just needs a guy that you're not worried about running out there too much. If you wear him out, you can send him back down and bring up the next guy. It's not, it's not one of those things where we're talking about Hunter Green and saying, oh, you know, we need to be careful. We need to limit and manage his load so that he's available for years to come and all those things. They don't have to use win that way. And I think that that's valuable right now, considering the turmoil that surrounds this pitching staff right now. Right. And, and just his story in general. I mean, he's 30 years old, making his major league debut. He's kind of in that mold of anybody that still thinks like, dude, man, could I break into the majors? Like you and me, we talk a lot about the fact that I'm pretty close. I mean, I could, if I wanted to be in the major leagues, it's just, you know, I choose to really do the podcasting bit, but no, I'm kidding. Obviously I'm not anywhere near that, but it, it, it's a story for guys that are just normal dudes watching baseball and being like, do I have to be this otherworldly athlete? Randy Wynn just puts his head down and work. That's what he does. That, that is how he got here. That's how he has really worked throughout his entire major league career. And it's always impressed people. I remember, um, uh, I think it was last year, whenever we went up to Dayton to talk to Tom Nichols, Tom Nichols had mentioned Randy Wynn. he's just like, you want a good story. You go talk to Randy Wynn. that dude 
He is he has worked so hard to get to where he is. He was not a high draft pick at all. I mean, obviously the Reds had signed him out of independent ball, and he, he I think he pitched. Uh, what did Tommy Thrall say? Missouri Baptist. So it's not as if he's coming out of the SEC or anything like that, or even you know a, a, a secondary conference either. So it's just. It's phenomenal to see, and I'm so happy to see that he broke into the major leagues. And and regardless of the fact that the Reds lost that game, he will always be able to hang his hat on, dude, I pitched two and a third against the best lineup in the National League, at least until the Reds uh, get CES up here. And I did pretty well. And on that optimistic, positive note, that's probably where we should go ahead and wrap it up for the day. Before we get out of here, don't forget, you can catch every pitch of the Reds Hometown Broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. That will wrap up this edition of Lockdown Reds. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen every day. Every day is on the next podcast. Steve and I will talk about some interesting numbers when it pertains to our Reds players, including a fun statistic that I don't think you're all aware of. Matt McClain already rates pretty high on the uh, team war list. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's episode. So make sure you check out tomorrow's Lockdown Reds podcast. But until then, Steve, what can people expect from me and you? They can expect me and you to keep looking at the rumors, looking at the, the trade negotiations, looking for anybody that can throw a fastball higher than 85 miles an hour. Jeff and I will be on it. We'll gather up all that information and bring it back right here to keep you locked on Reds every single day. I, I, I can't throw 85. I think I could throw 185, and then I think I would die.